I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week, we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. On the Pursuit of Gold podcast, we usually chat with incredible athletes who share their inspiring stories and unique journeys, showing us how we can also break through and become our very best. Sometimes we talk with coaches or experts that can teach us new skills, guide us through difficulties, and help us learn how to navigate and overcome challenges. But today is just a little bit different. Today just happens to be my birthday. So my oldest daughter thought it would be super fun to turn the tables and interview me in this episode. We collected questions from so many of you on social media. So a big thank you for sending in all those great questions and comments. And Arela, who is just nine years old, also came up with a few questions of her own to ask me. Make sure you stay tuned to the end as I may have shifted gears and asked Arela a few fun questions about her own little athletic career. But before we get into this special birthday episode, please take a minute to subscribe and give us a five-star review. It means so much to me personally, but it also enables us to keep bringing on such amazing guests. And as my gift to you for listening today, I have a freebie that contains five smart strategies for confidence. Just go on over to laurawilkinson.com slash learn to snag it. All right. I believe that there's gold in your future. So let's dive on in to my birthday episode. I am so excited to have with me on the Pursuit of Gold podcast today, my very own daughter, Arela Holzman. Welcome, Arela. Thank you very much for having me, Mama. (laughs) Well, I'm super excited because this is my birthday episode and Arela has been telling me that she wanted to be part of the podcast for a long time. So I said, you need to ask mommy some questions. So We've gathered a few questions from our audience, and Arela has come up with some of her own as well. And then I might turn the tables at the end and ask Arela a few questions. So, Arela, why don't you get us started with our first question? This first question is from Catherine. She asked us, how do you set your goals when everything is changing? That is a really good question, especially right now with kind of everything that's been going nuts with the pandemic. Right, Arela? Right. So Catherine actually explained this question a little more to me and told me that she was a collegiate diver and that her campus is closed in the fall and not guaranteed to open in the spring. So she's very concerned about how to work toward goals right now and feeling like things are unattainable and just not even sure how to train. And so Catherine, I totally get that. I think a lot of us have been in your shoes this year, Um, but I just want to remind you that your ultimate goals don't need to change. You know, whether it's to get a certain dive or to accomplish a certain feat or a task, the date may change, but your actual goal can stay the same. What changes is your path to get there. And I know this is hard because those goals, that's kind of what keeps us going. And when they're so far away, it can be really hard to stay motivated during this time. So I would set like mini goals for yourself. And it's going to probably look different if there's not competitions and not regularly scheduled workouts and things like that. So I would encourage you to think outside the box. And make your workouts and your mental workouts. Yes, I'm going to call you to do some mental workouts. And I would I would make those kind of your goals. And, and your expectations should be the way in which you are going after these things. I would do a lot of video study. I would research what other athletes in your sport are doing out there right now. Like stock Instagram or Facebook or YouTube and see what some of the top people are doing. A lot of people 
are posting their workouts. They've been posting at-home workouts, different interesting things to try. I love doing that. I love seeing what ninja warriors are doing or seeing what gymnasts are doing or other people. And I love to try their stuff and said, okay, I could use a good core workout. I'm going to try this this time. And it's really fun. It keeps things interesting and it doesn't get dull and, and you get to do things that are maybe outside of your wheelhouse and it makes it fun again. But my goals are still the same. My goals have not changed. The date has moved, but the goal is still the same. But how I'm getting there is obviously very different too. I do not currently have access to a 10-meter platform, which is what I compete off of. We have a local like smaller platform that I can train from, but I'm doing a lot of uh, mental things. I'm, I'm visualizing. I am studying video. I'm really prepping myself for different situations. I'm going through a lot of, um, I'm remembering a lot of things that I've been through in the past. And I'm, I'm thinking about the things that I've learned and the things that I lacked or the things that I can improve on. And I'm working on those things in this downtime, in this different time. And I have to tell you, like, I feel like mentally I'm way ahead of where I was when all of this COVID stuff started. So I would say keep your goals the same. Only the path has changed and get creative. This is a fun time to make it more exciting and to make it a little bit different to shake things up and try something new. All right, Arela, what is our next question? Our next question is from Katie. She asked us, since you compete all over the world and you have met lots of different people, has it ever given you the opportunity to share your faith with a fellow athlete? Yes. So great question. And obviously the biggest part in being able to share your faith is starting relationships with people that has to come first. And so what I love about diving is it tends to be a small sport. And so the same people tend to be at a lot of these competitions. So it's really kind of laying that groundwork and, and just starting relationships with people and, and getting to know people and staying connected with them when you're not at the meets and that in-between time. And that's really when you get a chance to show people what your faith is, what it means to you and begin to have those discussions if they're open to that. Um, so yeah, it has provided some, some cool opportunities in that way. I do remember um, a Chinese, a little Chinese athlete in 2008 that I couldn't communicate with very well because she was young and didn't speak any English. And I spoke very minimal Chinese, but I did find um, an English Chinese Bible and I was able to highlight some passages and give her that because they're very into gift giving there. And she had given me a little present as well. And so that was a really cool opportunity. All right. What's our next question? Our next question is from Katie again. She asked us, why do you love learning to fly the song by Petty so much? Is it inspirational or is it just because you think it's a cool song? <laughs> yeah, Katie knows my heart. She knows that I love Tom Petty and I do love learning to fly and it's it is just a really cool song. It's got a good tune, but I do love the words. I mean, I love the whole thought of like, I'm learning to fly, but I ain't got wings. I mean, to me, that feels just like diving. Like, I feel like I'm learning to fly, even though I don't have wings. And it's just this brief, short moment in time, but that's what I'm trying to do. I love that. And it, that song also does talking about that life's going to beat you down. It's going to break your heart. It's going to steal your crown. It, it talks about those things and that's very much life, but yet I'm still trying to learn how to fly. And and of course, anybody who really knows me a little bit knows that I also love the song Free Falling by Tom Betty. That has kind of just been like my platform song since really I first started platform. And um, I, I just love it. I mean, the, from the very beginning, she's a good girl, loves her mama, loves Jesus in America too. I mean, that is just me in a nutshell right there. But also, Probably my favorite part of that song is toward the end. Uh, it's just kind of that epic moment where he says, I'm going to free fall out into nothing. I'm going to leave this world for a while. And 
to me, that just encapsulates what it feels like when I'm diving 10 meter and I'm just in my happy place and I'm in my zone. And it kind of feels like a place of worship for me because I'm using the gifts that God has given me. And I just kind of feel like I'm leaving the world and I'm learning to fly in this moment and be something different and something unique and something beautiful. And I love that feeling more than anything. All right, Arela, what's our next question? They asked us, coaching mental and physical abuse, and how can we combat this as athletes? Very, very good question. And we actually discussed this with some people who have personally been through this in earlier episodes. So it would be great if you want to go back to episode 11 with Kaylee Humphreys. She talks about uh, mental and verbal abuse from one of her athletes, or excuse me, from one of her coaches. She was the athlete and kind of how that played out. And she actually had to leave her federation. And also in episode 20, with Tracy Hansen, there was kind of a, a very long-term abuse going on there. And we discussed what grooming looks like and some resources like safesport.org. So I would really go back and listen to episode 20 and episode 11, and you can really get some in-depth and great insight and some resources from those episodes um, on that topic, because that is really, really important. And those athletes um, have a lot more personal uh, experience with that than I do and speak very well to that. All right, Arela, moving on. All right. So this one is from Lena. She asked us about recovery from intense diving practices. That's right, because diving practices can get intense. That's right. (laughs) That's right. When you're diving off of a 10-meter platform, you hit at 35 miles an hour almost. So it's kind of like a small car accident every time. Yeah. (laughs) So... One of the things, some of the things that I really love to do is either an ice bath. Um, if you have access to cryotherapy, that is really, really good for you too. If not, old school ice bath, cold water, dump lots and lots of ice in there and stay in there. It depends on how cold it is. If it's super cold, 10 minutes is great. If it's just mediocre cold, go for 20. Um, but that it's sometimes not the most comfortable thing, but it can really, really help your body bounce back quick. Massage is great. Physical therapy, sometimes just flat out rest and extra sleep is good. Sometimes it's not your body that's wearing out. It's your mind and you're getting kind of burnt out mentally. And if that's the case, go play. Do something different. Cross train. I play with my kids. We were riding bikes today. Um, Just do something different and fun. Go jump on the trampoline in somebody's yard, you know, and just do something different. Break out of the norm and play. And sometimes that's the best recovery that you can have. All right, Arela, who is next? They asked us, how do you overcome the feelings of personal failure? So you just have to remember, first of all, that failure is part of the process. And I know that's easier said than done because when you feel like you're failing, it is just the most frustrating thing. And you kind of sometimes feel like you're in a pit and you can't climb out of it. And I get that frustration. That is the thing that takes me out sometimes the most is frustration and feeling like I'm failing. But you have to remember that if you're not failing, you're not going to succeed. And I know that is also hard to understand. But if you are always, always successful, you're never going to learn how to get better. And you may be great for a while, but at some point you're going to plateau and you're never going to improve if you don't fail. Failing is part of the process. It is crucial to learn. If a kid is learning how to walk, they don't just get up and run out of the room. I mean, when a baby is learning how to walk, they fall down over and over again until they finally learn how to balance and start taking a step and then they fall again. Then they learn how to take two steps. It's this gradual process And you have to remember that. And once you can embrace that failing is part of that process that leads you to greatness, then it's not so 
like all consuming. You know what I mean? You can kind of start to understand that this is actually a stepping stone to something better. And and sometimes it's necessary for a breakthrough. Sometimes when you finally get to the point of like realizing I am not doing this, I can't, I don't understand why I'm doing this. And you, you are forced out of your comfort zone to do something different. And from that point, you learn how to overcome it. So failure is not the end. It is frustrating because you're letting the feelings of it consume you. You've got to, it's okay to mourn for a second then put those feelings aside because that is just going to lead to bitterness. Put the feeling part of it away and look at it logically and say, okay, how can I get through this? What is going on and how can I push past? How can I get around this, go over it? What is it that I need to do to break through to do something different? Start looking at it from that angle. Not so much woe is me, but how can I? And you're going to get there. This one is from Divine. They asked us, why do I see some divers wear swim cups now? Great question. So I do not wear a swim cap, but I am kind of one of the lone wolves in our practice. So wearing a swim cap, it's not just the swim cap. They actually are putting like conditioner on their hair before they get in the water. So they put conditioner on and then they put a cap on over it. And it's to keep the chlorine from absorbing into their hair. And the result is that their hair is actually growing out better and more beautifully, where a lot of times the chlorine can eat away at your hair and like stunt its growth. And you kind of, it gets scraggly, it can turn green, all that good stuff. But when they put the conditioner in before they get in the chlorinated water and they put a cap on over it, it helps to protect the hair from getting the chlorine to soak in. So yeah, we've had some divers go from barely like chin length hair to now like halfway down their back, beautiful, luxurious, thick. So it works for sure. I just, I guess it's just, I feel like that's too late for me now. (laughs) Should I start wearing a cap, Mm, I don't think so. I like your hair. (laughs) The next one is from Bridget. She asked us, what gym did you go to gymnastics at before you did diving? Great question. So I started at a little strip center gymnastics club by my house when I was about eight years old. It was called Greenwood Gymnastics. And um, after a little while there, we moved on to one called Flips Gymnastics, which is up in Oak Ridge, Texas, not too far from where I live now. Um, and I, I was there for most of my gymnastics career and I loved it. We had some amazing coaches from Carol Kerner and Larry Anderson. Um, they just really kind of are gymnastics in my mind. Those are the people who are always there to give me big bear hugs. And, um, Carol is still there cheering me on every step of the way. She's amazing. And at the very end of my career, I went to Cypress Academy, but really it was probably for about six months. I was kind of debating whether to keep going or not. So bounced around a little bit, but mostly flips was my home gym. So the next one is from Justina. She asked us, who are some of your mindset coaches or influencers at this point in your life? Very well. I'm, I'm getting very impressed with Arela's reading skills, first of all. <laughs> well, my coach, Kenny Armstrong, he's been my lifetime coach really since I stepped foot on the pool deck since 1993. So that's like... Yeah. Wow. Aurelia says, wow, about 27 years. Um, Kenny has been my coach and he has kind of always been a big influence on me and kind of helping me believe in myself and also like learning how to let go of things and learning what's important and what's really not. He's just taught me so many things over my life and he's still very active in my life. He's not my main coach now, but he's still on the pool deck most days. Um, and so I do get to still interact with him and get coached by him, um, usually on Tuesdays. Uh, so that's a lot of fun, but also I have to tell you, I mean, the Bible, honestly, the Bible has just been kind of my firm foundation, um, since I gave my life to Christ and, 
I, I guess that's just where my mindset really comes from. That's the foundation. That's kind of where it flows from. And, you know, if I'm struggling with something, it's usually that's the first place I'm going to go and try to figure out why am I struggling? How do I get through this? And if I'm going through like a really dark time, like when we were adopting our our fourth daughter, well, third daughter, but fourth child from um, Ethiopia, we were struggling a lot. There was a lot of issues with the government and trying to get her paperwork in. And uh, it's kind of a long big can of worms there, but I was struggling a lot in that time. And so I just kind of dove into Psalms and Psalms was really my source and my hope. And it was my heart. And if you're ever going through a really hard time, Psalms is a wonderful place to go because it just, I mean, you're crying out, um, you're just understanding what the author was going through. It just really is relatable when you're, when you're going through those kind of difficult times, but then also just the encouragement and the trust that whatever I'm facing in this world, like Jesus says in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. So he says in the world, you will have tribulation. (laughs) I've learned that's not enough. So when I'm going through something, I know that that was planned. Like that's part of being in this world, but I can always be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome the world. And to me, that is the biggest source of inspiration and motivation that I have and, and really all that I need. And, you know, he's also taught me through Second Corinthians that when I am weak, that's not a bad thing. When I'm weak, it's an opportunity for God to show his strength and be his strength through me and, and that Christ's Christ's power can rest upon me in those times. And that's when the world begins to see God through us. Like if you look through the Bible, God doesn't always pick the best and the bravest and the strongest and all these amazing people to do his work. He picks the weak and the scared and all these people who seem very ill-equipped for what he's calling them to do. But through their weakness, his strength is made perfect and he shows the world his power and who he is. And so that's just very encouraging to me. And so these are where I learned most of my lessons are, they're really biblical. I mean, I, I do have quotes that I love as well as verses that I love, but but really it's it's things that correspond with the Bible and that really resonate with me in that way that I love. I mean, there's a lot of times I feel isolated in my training and what I'm doing. I feel like when I've been at these really kind of monumental periods in my life, I've been very isolated from being around other people in a similar situation. And God has provided me with whether it's quotes or books or people talking into me. Like, I mean, I listen to podcasts now. There's certain things that just connect with me. Um, but really, a lot of times when I feel like I don't have necessarily people right there with me to speak into me, I mean, I there are access to podcasts right now, like this one, The Pursuit of Gold, which is amazing. And you can hear all these uplifting and encouraging stories and find resources. It's, it's things like that. Um, you know, people say you're the measure of the five people around you. Um, well, if you don't have five encouraging, amazing people around you, you can pull those things in. You can listen to people that are and really like latch on to that, you know, and that's okay. And and a lot of times I don't take everything that one person says, because I don't want one person to be my idol and my savior. Jesus is that for me, but I will take those things that are inspiring or encouraging, or that I feel like I can learn from, from those people. And I, so I feel like in that way, I've taken maybe a pieces of thousands of people and and brought them to myself. I guess that's like my biggest talent is, is like, I love collages and bringing things together like that. So I kind of feel like I'm maybe kind of the culmination of lots of different people's thoughts and ideas and things like that. So <laughs> a very rambling way to say um, lots of people. All right, Arela, who's the next question from? The next question from, she asked us, what dive has caused you to have the largest mental block and how do you overcome it? So the biggest mental block that I ever had was on a back three and a half somersault tuck. And so here's the deal. Yeah, it's a lot of dive. So I was supposed to learn this dive 
probably back, I don't know, in like 96 or 97, I was doing these lead ups on the lower levels for it. I was getting ready to do it. But then a meet would come. And so we would back off and do an easier dive to get through the season. And then I would build up and build up to prepare to do this dive again for the next season. But then a meet would come and it wasn't quite ready. So we would go back to this easier dive. And that kept happening year after year after year. And finally, in 2002, after my first Olympics, I'd finished college, I came back and I knew that the degree of difficulty was really kind of taking off um, in my event. And so I knew I was going to have to learn this back three and a half if I wanted to be competitive. But it had been like five years from when I was supposed to have learned it. And so in my head, I thought, it's been five years and I've not done this dive yet. Like, I can't do it. It's too hard. But in reality, it wasn't that I was never able to. We just never had the time to do it. It was just never, the timing was just never right. But in my head, I was thinking, it's too hard. It's too big. I can't. And so it kind of took a lot of like mental work to get ready for this. My coach and I had just started spotting again. I have to, side note here, close my eyes for two years diving. I do not recommend that because I had to start all over learning how to spot in like 2002. But I did. I was spotting, but I was really nervous. I wasn't going to see it. And my coach pulled me in the belts over the trampoline so I would understand what the feeling was like in the air and when to kick out. He was going to be there for me. He was going to call me out like in, in diving when you're supposed to see the water and then kick out like we have, it's a new dive, your, your coach says like, hop really loud in the air. And that's when you know to fire your legs out and reach for the water. So I knew he was going to be there, but I was still really terrified. And I remember the night before I was supposed to learn this dive, I sat in my bed where I was safe and I knew nothing could happen to me. And I thought about it and I said, okay, what are the things that I'm afraid of? I was afraid I was going to get lost in the air. I was afraid I wasn't going to know when to kick. I was afraid I was going to smack. I was afraid of getting hurt, like all of those things. But I kept reminding myself, even if I get lost, even if I don't see where I am, my coach is going to call me and I can trust him. He's called me out of a lot of dives. And you know what? Even if it all goes wrong and I smack the water and I hit really hard and I knock the wind out of myself, I mean, that's not fun, but I've done it before and I've survived. And Arela says, what does Arela say? I've done it too. Yep. She's done it too. And so I, it hurts, but I know I would get up and walk away. And so all of these things... I knew I could survive. I knew I could get through it. I just needed to do it. And so that next day, I was really ready. And I was still terrified. I think I was very shaky up there, but I did not let myself think. I did all my thinking back, like kind of by the ladder as I was getting ready. And once I walked out to the end, I did not give myself a chance to think. I turned around, I counted to three and I went and I trusted him and I sort of saw things and I sort of kicked out right and I landed somewhere around my head. And that was the dive that really it broke the barrier for me because once I learned that dive and I realized that I had the ability to break through that kind of fear and do these really, really tough dives, I ended up learning that same dive, but in the pike position, I learned it in the reverse direction. Reverse three and a half was only one of a couple of girls ever to do that. I ended up learning back two and a half, two and a half. That's two and a half somersaults with two and a half twists. I was, I think one of like maybe two girls doing that. So I, it really broke a barrier for me to all of a sudden I could do anything. And so sometimes those mental blocks, as scary as they are, if you can walk through them and then pull up any remaining ounce of courage that you have and go scared, man, the feeling that you get after overcoming something like that is probably the best feeling in the world. So this next question is from Caroline, and she asked us, what made you want to go to the Olympics? Like, what made you? 
So when I was about eight years old, I saw this woman named Mary Lou Retton do a perfect 10 vault in gymnastics and she won the all around gold medal. And it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And I thought, I want to do that. I want to go to the Olympics. I want to stand on top of the podium and I want to get a gold medal. And I tried really, really hard, realized that gymnastics was not going to be my avenue to do it, but I knew that I still wanted to go to the Olympics. So I tried a bunch of sports until I finally found diving. So this next question is from Erin. She wanted to ask us, what are your chances of qualifying for Tokyo? So the Olympics from this year, 2020, got moved to next year. So Tokyo will be the Olympics in 2021. I'm qualified to the Olympic trials, which is in June. And essentially... My biggest thing right now, I am jumping high, I'm spinning fast, I'm making my dives easy. My biggest challenge is really getting my body back to the point where I can get my entries clean again. Like accuracies, I I know where I am pretty well. It's really just, I I went through a two-level cervical fusion almost two years ago now, um, but really spent 2019 kind of coming back from that. And then we were just getting back up to competition on 10 meter earlier this year and then COVID happened. So it's really getting my confidence back, getting numbers in off the top. Um, and then I think I'll have just as good of a chance as anyone else. So these are some questions I've come up from my mom. And the first one is, how did you get into diving? So I quit gymnastics when I was about 14 and I tried a whole bunch of other sports and I finally found diving at the end of my freshman year of high school. I was 15, almost 16. And uh, I, I ran into an ex-gymnast friend of mine and her mom said, you need to come to this pool and try this diving thing. And I tell you what, the minute I stepped on that pool deck, it was outside in the trees, the radio was blaring and people were doing gymnastics into the water. And I thought, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I fell in love with it. How many medals do you really have? How many medals do I have? You've seen that big basket, haven't you? Yes, that's a lot more than I could ever count. (laughs) So I have a lot of medals from a lot of different meets. Not too many junior medals, but a lot of them from like senior nationals and things like that. So I I don't have a a count total. I I know I've won nationals 19 times. I've won the Olympics. I've won the World Championships. I've won the World Cup. Um, Yeah, lots of good stuff like that. Is that that enough? (laughs) (laughs) And my next question is about the medal so like so medals are only awarded for the top three places so if you get fourth nope no medal or sometimes nothing especially at the olympics nothing so (laughs) that's kind of that's a stinky spot to be in thing i like about getting first second or third is sometimes you get a teddy bear oh that's true sometimes you get a cool stuffed animal or a neat bouquet or something yeah so medals are for the usually for the top three places and yeah you have to do a really good job but here's the deal couple of those times i've stood on top of the podium I had a really bad dive in the competition. And do you know what happened? What? I didn't give up. Just because I had a bad dive, I didn't count myself out. I kept working really hard and I came back and I won the competition. Wow. My next question would be, how many sports did you do before you did diving? So I did ballet when I was a wee little girl. And then I did gymnastics for a long time and ballet at the same time. Then I tried track and tennis and softball. And then I did drill team, which was like the dance team in high school before I started diving. So how many is that? A lot? I didn't count. A lot. <laughs> My next question would be, how many times have you gone to the Olympics? Three times. 
So in 2000, it was in Sydney, Australia. In 2004, it was in Athens, Greece. And in 2008, it was in Beijing, China. Wow, that's a lot of times. (laughs) So my next question is going to be, what is your hardest dive? Hardest dive now or ever? Ever. I would have to say back three and a half somersault pike. Um, it was a 3.6 degree of difficulty. I did another 3.6 degree of difficulty, but the back three and a half somersault pike just felt really, really, really hard. And if my takeoff wasn't good, I didn't make it. So that was a little rough. And I'm glad I don't have to do that one anymore. So my next one is basically the opposite of the one I just asked you. What's your easiest dive? My easiest dive, we we have these things called voluntaries or like required dives that we have to do. They're very basic dives and they have a low degree of difficulty, but they usually, they used to be required in the Olympics. Now it's just in the synchronized events at the Olympic Games. And so they're like a front dive or front one and a half. So they're very, very simple ones, but sometimes the simple ones are the hardest. So I think this brings us to a, oh, she's got one more question. My easiest dive is probably just like jumping in the water. <laughs> a pencil dive? Yeah, pencil dive. <laughs> a pencil dive. I like it. Knows that's the easiest. You just jump in the water. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, so I think this is a good chance for me to turn the tables on Arela and ask her some questions. Okay, Arela, are you ready for this? Yep. All right. What was the first sport that you did? Well, my first sport was gymnastics. So, yeah, I did gymnastics for a while, but then, like, I kind of got bored of it. So I kind of quit to find, like, some new sports that I wanted to do. And what did you do after gymnastics? So I quit gymnastics, then I did it again, and then I didn't really want to do that. So then I did soccer, and now I'm at Ninja Warrior at Iron Sports. What about diving? Oh, yeah. I did diving before I did Ninja Warrior. (laughs) Wait, no. Before soccer. You did diving for the longest. (laughs) She was so little she doesn't remember. She did it for like two years. That's hilarious. Okay. So you said you decided to move on and try something else because you were bored. How do you get bored in gymnastics? I just didn't really like it. It just wasn't your thing. And that's okay. It's good to try other things and just see what else is out there. So why do you enjoy Ninja Warrior so much now? Well, I like Ninja Warrior because, well, it's basically like climbing on stuff. And I really like climbing. And it's also like you also get to like make new friends in there. It's also like about balancing. And I I just really like doing that. Like sometimes like you get to hang on monkey bars and sometimes... Like you do like some balancing stuff, like on balancing beams. And there's this really fun one that's called the rolling log. It's like a pillar, but like it rolls across. So like you try and like balance your way across there. Nice. That's great. And I've seen you catch some crazy stuff too, like a trapeze bar. Yeah, that trapeze bar is probably my favorite. That's very cool. Do you have any big goals for Ninja Warrior? Well, not really yet, but I might think of some. I think that's a good idea. We can work on that later. So do you think there are any lessons that you learn while you're training for Ninja Warrior that help you in your everyday life? I've done some things that like I try and like just like try and skip it because like I didn't do it on the first thing. But now I know like I want to keep trying so like, I can finish that. So then what does that mean? What do you do? Well, I keep trying over and over again until I finish the route. Ah, so even if there's something that's scarier, you can't do it. You just keep trying. Yeah. That's awesome. I like that. 
what is your new dream that you just came up with that you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a Navy SEAL. More specifically, I think you want to be the first something. The first woman to be a Navy SEAL. That is so awesome. So why is that so appealing to you all of a sudden? What made you want to do that? A while ago was Veterans Day and I watched some YouTube videos on like Hell Week and stuff. And I just saw like it looked really cool and like hard and and I like like hard and challenging things. And I learned that like you have to stay up and I really like staying up, but like it's staying up late at night and you don't get to sleep five days straight. And I really want to do that. Wow. So do you know what Navy SEALs do? No. Okay, we'll be talking about that afterward. (laughs) I love it. Um, Okay, so do you want to talk about the workout that you created during homeschool after you watched the Navy SEALs? Well, after I watched the Navy SEALs, I really wanted to become one. So I started working out while I was doing my math. So I was doing like each column was like a different one. So the ones column I did push-ups for like how many each number of it like I would do that many push-ups and for the tens column I would do sit-ups and for the hundreds I would do squats and for the thousands I would either do like a mountain climbers or like resting and you did that for every problem well most of them yeah all my subtractions were you exhausted at the end of that not really Yeah, she's ready for the Navy SEALs. (laughs) Okay, well, along that homeschooling lines, um, Justine asked how homeschooling has been going. I really like homeschooling. It's really fun and like you get to do it at home. And also we get done like three or four hours earlier. So like that's really fun. Like what I get to do is like I get done around lunchtime. So like I have like three or four hours more. So I don't have to like because usually I get home at three o'clock. And now I get done at like 11 or 12. And we do this in our game room. So like we can also play in there and like do it earlier. So like we don't have to do it later in the day. Yeah. they Sometimes they, they just get onto their schoolwork before we've even started. And they're like, okay, we're done. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been really cool. Well, Arela, it has been so fun to have you ask me questions. And I got to ask you questions. This is really cool. Should we do it again sometime? Yeah, I think we should make another episode. For sure. Thank you so much, Babe Cakes. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Oh, and before I forget, happy birthday, Mom. Aw, thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests, and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.